Good morning, everyone. Am I okay with the sound? Good stuff. Happy New Year to you all here and uh, to you at home. It's uh, great to celebrate uh, a new year, even in very strange circumstances, isn't it? One of the things that's really helped me throughout this year is to find joy in God and joy in life. Uh, at some point in every single day. And I have found that a great strength uh, because the joy of the Lord is our strength, isn't it? And uh, yeah, so joy and peace and uh, those blessings for you this year, every one of you. I want to mention a couple of devotional books. I don't know if you're like me, I change the way that I read the scriptures occasionally. And I want to mention a couple of devotional books here that I found really helpful. One by Glenn Scrivener, who runs a local um, ministry. He, he's a great man of God, and he's written uh, the two volumes called Reading Between the Lines. Uh, it's reading through the Old Testament and New Testament, and it's very Jesus-focused. And if you're looking for a new devotional, I would recommend this book um, to you. Another book, um, which Sai actually um, suggested us as preachers read for the last series, um, is called The Incomparable Christ, and it's by J. Oswald Sanders. And I recommend this book. Um, although it's a study book, um, the chapters are really short and uh, the thing about this, when I used it devotionally, was it made my heart worship. And I think that's great, isn't it? If a devotional book just doesn't give you practical things to do to be a better Christian, but if it makes your heart uh, turn and worship him. So, um, yeah, that's, this book's really, really good uh, as well, The Incomparable Christ. So I uh, just wanted to mention those to you. The last couple of days, I've obviously been praying uh, for us, and I felt um, one word for us as a church. I feel the Lord wants to upgrade us this year. I had that word upgrade uh, on my heart, and particularly in the area of gifts. He wants to upgrade our gifts throughout the year. Um, there's a list in 1 Corinthians 12 of spiritual gifts, and there's another list in Romans 12, uh, verses 6 to 8, which are called grace gifts. And I'd encourage you just to um, just think about those and read those through. But I believe God wants to give us an upgrade on those gifts throughout the year. And, you know, when you get an upgrade um, from a manufacturer for a product or a car or a flight, or not that we can fly much these days, but if you get an upgrade, it's a grace and favour thing. You don't pay any more for it. Um, and I believe God wants to grace and favour us with upgrade uh, in, our, in our lives this year. Amen? Going to go for that, believe for that. I want to speak this morning about expectations and conversations, and it's a part of the Christmas story. So if you'd like to turn to Luke and chapter 2, we'll read from there. Luke chapter 2 and from verse 25. It's the part of the Christmas story where uh, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple uh, to dedicate him uh, to, to God. <clears throat> so let's uh, read that. And we're going to pick up a little way through the story. Luke chapter 2 and verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And the sword will pierce through your own soul also. He's referring there to um, Christ's death. So that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping and fasting and praying day and night. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel." Nativity plays and Christmas carols don't always reflect accurately the events around the birth of Christ. Some nativity, nativity plays, you'll notice, add things like tea towels to shepherds' heads and various animals around the manger that probably certainly weren't there. And even donkeys. Donkeys not mentioned in the Christmas story. Sorry to disillusion you if you like donkeys. They probably went on a donkey, but it's not mentioned. So things are not always accurately portrayed. And some things are missing, like the little snip at uh, eight days. But, you know, two really important people that we have just read about are often overlooked in the incarnation narrative. The stories rapidly move from the shepherds to the kings and ignoring this encounter of Simeon and Anna in Jerusalem. Now, in Luke's version that we've read, he writes just two sentences, two short verses on the actual birth of Jesus, but he later in this chapter gives 16 verses to this amazing encounter with Simeon and Anna. They are by no means inconsequential characters in this story. And I want us to focus particularly on Simeon this morning. And I've tried to imagine being in his sandals, as it were, and understand why Luke included him in his gospel. Mary and Joseph were following the Jewish customs after Jesus' birth. They'd already had Jesus circumcised on the eighth day in Jerusalem. Now on the 40th day after Jesus' birth, the new parents were bringing him to the temple again. Now two things were happening in this. Mary and Joseph are presenting themselves for purification so that Mary can particularly enter society again. And Mary and Joseph are presenting Jesus as their firstborn to the Lord. And they bring a sacrifice. And because they are poor, they bring two birds. Now, we dedicate children and we don't require sacrifice of budgies or anything like that or even lambs. 
but we dedicate. So I think that's probably where we get our dedication of children from this particular Jewish tradition. But what do we know about Simeon? Well, there's not a lot we know. He is not written about anywhere else. He was an ordinary man. We don't even know how old he was, although people think he was probably older. We're not told anything about his family, his work. He was not a prophet. He never wrote a book. He never prophesied. He, wasn't, he prophesied, although he wasn't a prophet. But you know, he is one of the several people that, during the Christmas story, broke the prophetic silence from heaven. There had been a prophetic silence for 400 years, and he was one of the characters that spoke out prophetically. Most importantly, Simeon is described as a man of the Spirit, and this was before Pentecost. In fact, in this passage, three times Luke mentions he picks up on the activity of the Holy Spirit in one way or another. Luke, you know, was an, an educated and intelligent man. He was a doctor. He wasn't short of a syringe in his medical kit. You know, he was a really clever guy. He wrote this gospel after Pentecost when he had personally experienced the tangible power of the Holy Spirit. And he recognized that same power in the people that he wrote about in this gospel. So I think he was probably one of the first holistic, uh, holistic doctors. Littered throughout Luke's writings here and in the books of Acts, he introduces us to the supernatural, he introduces us to angelic appearances, to prophecies and miracles and manifestations of the Spirit. He was really acutely aware of the activity of the Holy Spirit. So this morning I want to look at two things uh, in this encounter with Simeon and the new parents and Jesus. And I believe God wants to give us an upgrade in these two areas. And the first is expectations. You know, the word expectation is closely linked with the word hope. It's like an upgrade on the word hope. It's like hope on steroids. You know, it feels very active, doesn't it? The incredible thing we see here, here about Simeon in this story is that he had one expectation in life. He was living for one thing, to see the Messiah. Everything else wasn't important. And that's incredible because this day arrived. And I believe the Holy Spirit spoke into his heart and said, today's the day. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but I believe that would have happened, that he would have known that this was going to be the day. You see, he had one assignment. He had one mission to fulfill, one thing that he focused on. His job was to wait and to see, to see the consolation and comfort of Israel, as it's put there. That means he was waiting to see the saviour of the world. He was waiting for the king. He was waiting for the deliverer of the people of God. Simeon lived with this prophetic promise, the promise that the Holy Spirit had given to him, and he was in full expectation. This wasn't just some vague hope. He was in full expectation. He was totally focused and lived for Emmanuel to come, Jesus, the Saviour, the one who would be the light of the world to both Jew and Gentile. And that day arrived. 
Imagine that day in his life, arriving. He rocked up at the temple. What was he, who was he expecting to find? Was he expecting to find a young man or some warrior or a king? Did he know he was going to see a baby? Did he know when he saw the family that this was the Messiah? Jesus didn't have a halo over his head like some paintings depict. He looked like any other baby of 40 days old. What identified Jesus at that moment as the saviour? Six-week-old babies, you know, they drink milk, they dribble, they need nappy changes, they cry, they begin to smile, not a lot more. Yet in his spirit, Simeon recognised Jesus Christ, the saviour. Isn't that incredible? What are your expectations for the future? Are your expectations rightly placed for 2021? What are you focused on? Maybe you're living for the vaccine or not having to wear a mask or being able to hug your grandchildren or take a holiday or have people in your home again. All these are understandable and valid expectations, aren't they, for future days? Nothing wrong with these expectations, but what is the main thing? What are you living for? What are you expecting to happen? I'm sure that Simeon worked to put food on the table, had responsibilities of some nature, but that was not his life's focus. That was not his expectation. That was not the one thing he lived for. He guarded that well, I believe, in his heart, and he stuck with it. Simeon's expectation was to see Jesus and worship God. In verse 28, it says, he took Jesus in his arms and he blessed God. Are you expecting to see more of Jesus this year and worship him? Nothing wrong with having godly dreams and plans, but what is the main thing? What is your focus? What is the driver? What is your expectation in life? Let it be more this year, more of Jesus. Greater heights in worship. Revival? Let's have an upgrade in our expectations in 2021. The second thing I see just in this passage is conversations. Simeon arrived at the temple directed by the Spirit of God. I think that Simeon would have been a man having regular conversations with God. It's not explicit in the the text here that we've read, but in verse 25 it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. And in verse 26, it said it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So we can take from this that he listened to and heard the Spirit of God. And then in verse 27, it says he came in the Spirit into the temple. doesn't seem to appear that he lived in the temple like Anna the prophetess did. In fact, we're not told where he lived apart from in Jerusalem. So I can just imagine that Simeon would have had regular conversations with God and would have been asking, Lord, is the Messiah coming soon? Where should I go and look for him? Where can I find him? Will I meet him today? Shall I search at the temple? How will I recognize him? I'm sure he was asking God all of these sorts of questions. I think Simeon would have had many questions and as a consequence, many conversations with the Holy Spirit over this revelation, this this promise. 
Reading the story, you know, we probably missed the impact of this encounter on Mary and Joseph. Just imagine you are Mary and Joseph, you are new parents, and this stranger approaches you and takes your baby in his arms. Or actually, maybe that wasn't so strange after what Mary and Joseph had lived through in the last year. Let me just read verse 29 to you again. This is what Simeon said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. You know, we have some amazing discourses, amazing speeches, if you like, around the birth of Christ. And we tend to focus on the details of what happened, and that is important. But these discourses are really important to understand. Angels said amazing things at that time. Mary's song, it's a beautiful song. If you read that, it just makes your heart want to worship. Zachariah's prophecy and now Simeon's word. These are important things for us to take note of um, in the story. And verse 30, so Simeon says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about Jesus. Simeon is bringing this incredible foretelling prophecy about the life of Christ. The light had come for all people. This was a confirming message from the message of the angel Gabriel earlier in the story. And this word came from Simeon's life, I believe, of walking with God, from intimacy, from conversations, and from pursuing God. You know, when you hear the word intimacy, you can wrongly associate it with emotions and feelings only. No, intimacy is about our conversational life, about our face-to-face time with our Father. Let's just consider this a, a little more. Those of us who pray are pretty good at asking but generally poor at waiting for an answer. We rush on so quickly to the next thing. I use a a weekly uh, prayer program. So on a Monday, I'll pray for certain things. On a Tuesday, I'll pray for other things. There's nothing wrong with having a structure. It's really helpful. But if I'm just rushing down the list, I'm just rushing on to the next thing. It's not a conversation with God. Or at least it's a one-sided conversation. Prayer is meant to be a conversation, a two-way communication. It's meant to be a dialogue. If not, prayer becomes a mere ritual, becomes religious. Real intimacy is to ask and listen, to listen to the Spirit and for the things on our Father's heart. Father, I believe, wants us to have grown-up conversations with him. What do I mean? Well, children begin their conversational talk with, I want, I need, please can I have this, blah, blah, blah. Our Father wants us to share grown-up conversations with him. So listening is so important. Because, you know, God wants to share his life with us, just as he does with Jesus. I'll say that again. Your father wants to share his life with you, just as he does with Jesus. 
Next, I think we're pretty good at asking and seeking God when we're in a mess, when we have specific need, when there's a crisis, and that's only right. But do we enter into conversation at those times, or do we just vent our anxiety and, in, and our emotions, however right that is to do? I think God must sometimes think, oh, will you just sit down and listen? Duncan, just be still for a moment. We desperately need to stop the chatter that's going on in our heads and listen. You know, one of the difficult things I've found during the, this year has been to stop the negative chatter in my head that goes on so often. And, you know, we're given the spirit of self-control. So we need to learn to be self-controlled in that and stop all the chatter that goes on and listen. You know, I love the spontaneity of the spirit. But more often, the Holy Spirit speaks over time with ongoing conversation over weeks and months and even longer. Sometimes the Spirit, of course, is silent and it seems God has pressed the mute button. I'm sure you've experienced that at times. But this is a time to trust and rest because he will speak at the right time. You know, I'm on a journey with this myself. Um, I'm experimenting in ways of um, capturing my conversations with God. I'm trying to journal in some new ways. I don't think I've got it sussed yet, but this is very current for me. That's why I'm telling you. I'm trying to just upgrade, have better conversations with my father. If you've got some tips, then please do give me them. You know, you will have friends um, who you don't see very often and you've probably contacted them over Christmas and, you know, it's just like you pick up the phone and you just carry on the conversation as if no time has passed. You know what I mean by that? You, you have friends like that. God doesn't want us to treat him like that, that we can just connect after a long time. No, he wants continual conversations, no interruptions, no bad connections, no dropping out, no ducking issues. You know, you can live under an open heaven with Father, having daily conversations, because he delights to speak to you. Yeah, he delights to speak to each one of us. He delights to speak to you, Andy. He delights to speak to you, Len. <laughs> he delights to, delights to speak to each of us. How can we be sure we're hearing God? Can't really go into this, but briefly, the tone and content of what we hear really is very important. It will always line up with Scripture, but God, when God speaks, you know, he never, ever condemns us. We know that, don't we, from Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, if you study that word, no, you go to the Greek, you study it very deeply, what does it mean? It means no. No condemnation. You know, God's tone is never harsh with us. It's never condemning. It will certainly challenge us, but it will never condemn us. Father God is, I love this verse, Father God is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He wants to converse with us. You know, we have many examples in uh, the Bible of conversations with God. Abraham, you know, would have known nothing but the voice of God. That's the only thing he had. He had no Bible. 
and been written. He only knew the voice of God and his conversations with him. Enoch, the only thing we're told about Enoch is that he walked with God. I don't think he walked with God in silence. I think he walked and talked. Moses had amazing encounters with God over long periods of time. Pick your character. Just see what sort of conversations they had with God. I thought it might be um, helpful to you to give you a few questions to ask God. So you might want to write some of these down. This is a great question to ask God. Lord, this is an impossible situation. I've done everything I can. Why is there no change? What do you think God might say to that? I think he might say, well, I love impossible situations. Why not let me in on this one? Let's work this out together. Because I'm the God of the impossible. It opens up a conversation, doesn't it? A question like that. Another question. Lord, how can I become even more amazing? What's stopping this happening? Now, you might think that's a ridiculous question. You know, how can I become more amazing? But you know, you are an amazing person. Each one of you here. Because you're made and created in God's image. And Romans 8 verse 29 says that you are predestined to the image of his son. You are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. So you're amazing now, but you're going to be even more amazing. So it's not a silly question, is it? How can I be more amazing? I think the answer to that will not be about our performance it will be about a revelation of who we are. It will be a revelation of our thinking. If I were to ask God that question, I think he would might well say, Duncan, well, let's start by you receiving more of my love. We can't receive too much of God's love. Third question. If God seems to be on mute, ask, why can't I hear you, Lord? It may be that you have to learn joy and patience in the silence, in the trial, as we were hearing from Anna uh, last week. You know, when we dialogue with God, he also might ask us questions. Are you prepared for that? You know, God asked, uh, God asked Adam and Eve a great question, didn't he, in the garden. God said to them, where are you? Don't you think that's a strange question for God to ask? Where are you? As if God didn't know where they were in the garden. You know that Adam and Eve's sin caused them to hide in shame and God came and said, where are you? You know, we do not need to hide in shame when we mess up. No, we can come quickly from our hiding place, that place of shame, and allow God to take us in his arms again. Jesus died to remove all our sin, all our guilt, all our shame. He doesn't leave a little bit of guilt and shame with us. No, that's going to be false guilt and false shame. He died to remove all of that. And we can have face-to-face -face encounter with God. We don't have to hide. Another question God might ask you is, when will you learn to live in peace? You know, human, human default is activity, isn't it? It's anxiety, it's stress, it's worry, it's fear. I love that Chris brought that word about fear. We don't have to fear. When will you learn to live in peace? 
Father might well say, peace isn't found in your circumstances, it's found in my arms. God might ask, who do you want me to be for you? Just think about that. Who do you want God to be for you today, right now? I think God would say, son and daughter, I can be that for you. (laughs) Whatever you need me to be for you, I can be that for you. Everything that God the Father was for Jesus, he is for you because you are in Christ. Isn't that incredible? I think that's wonderful. I think you could clap me for that one. Come on. Everything that God the Father was for Jesus, he is for you because you are in Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Tom. (laughs) Now, it's been said, just in conclusion, that passivity is the disease of the Western church. And passivity is not a kingdom attribute. Humility is, but passivity is not. Simeon was not passive. He actively lived with the expectation of seeing Jesus. Simeon lived to see the one person, Jesus, the light of the world. You can live in expectation of seeing Jesus, more of his glory, more of his kingdom in 2021. Jesus will come through for you in 2021. I can assure you of that. We can live with the joy of intimacy through grown-up conversations with our loving Father and the King of Kings. So God, I believe, wants to give you and me an upgrade this year in our expectations and in our conversations. In Isaiah 42, verse 9, it says this, See, the former things have taken place. See, 2020 has taken place. And thank God for every day that we've had in that. See, the former things have taken place and new things I now declare, says the Lord. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. And he announces them to us when we're in conversation with him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for this new year. We thank you that every day you have given to us Um, Every day you give us breath in our lungs and um, you give us all the, uh, the things that we need in life. And we're so grateful for that. Thank you for every day in 2020, even those difficult days. And thank you that we can find joy in you. And as we enter 2021, Lord, would you give us that upgrade in our expectations of seeing Jesus, seeing Jesus Uh, in the life of this church, seeing Jesus in the life of the community that we surround it by. And yeah, would you just upgrade our expectations and our conversations, our listenings with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're always with us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your continued care. Thank you that you're going to be with us throughout the coming days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Rob's going to sing to us a great song, Waymaker. The words of this are fantastic as we enter into 2021. God bless you all.